0: Welcome to the Attentive Heart Podcast, where we explore how an integration of mind, body, and spirit make us whole and enable us to become more compassionate to ourselves and to others. I'm your host, John Grubowich. So are you saying that your experience though this the supernatural experience you had at St. Patrick's Cathedral facilitated a paradigm shift that had you focus on God's love? Is that what it did right then and there or did it actually first take you down this path of for lack of a better word becoming uber Christian, uber Catholic, getting very much into the weeds of like trying to be now like a really good Christian and unfortunately falling into the trap of then becoming very judgmental and becoming very performative in our in our in in the celebration of prayer and sacraments and things like that or did that kind of stuff like that you're talking about was that prior to that experience in St. Patrick's where you felt that you were trying to model this Uber Christian life. Or, or so was there did the paradigm shift of this really just focusing on God's love? Did that come down further down the line after this initial experience in college at St. Patrick's? Is that is that just so, yeah, I, can, that I, get, is, that, so I can get the yeah, arc, th- that, arc.
1: That is that is what that is that is what I'm saying. So okay. like, yeah. you you could think of it like I I had um I, I had an image of God that was formed. Mm-hmm. I then no longer knew if I believed in that image. Yeah. Then what ended up happening is that God became the clearest most real thing to me right like yeah. there's like w- without a denial so then what happens is it's like okay th- that image came mm-hmm. back right mm-hmm. but now that image is like has a lot of attention being paid to it
0: Got right it. so
1: it. so I, I i was in some ways like i don't know this is where it's it like tricky i don't want to say i was like worshiping a false god but there was a lot about like that god that i don't think actually was um i think it was me and other people's like images that i was yeah. like looking to
0: right right i think that's the case with a lot of people it definitely was the case with me it still is the case mm-hmm. with me to a certain extent right i mean how sure. much does, the, does of our our understanding of god simply come through other people right and through their example and things like that and it gets even more tricky when there are people who are lauded for let's say what what is considered to be holy and this is where I think it's very common. This is at least me speaking at this point. Like when you hear like, for example, if you hear about like a really holy priest and you're in this person's presence, and now you start to like want to learn from this person and you want to be mentored. And then you're like, I don't know if this is really the way that I'm supposed to understand God. I mean, even though this person seems to have a reputation and seems to have it together, I I don't know if this is the way I understand God. I I don't know if this is... the way that I'm supposed to live my life. I think we get caught up in trying to live other people's vocations. That was what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 also sometimes, you know, God's calling us to a different way of understanding His presence, that is maybe beyond some of the people that we considered to be holy I mean like that could be happening too <laughs> I mean like and that's not to, to be like to go on an ego trip but like in every time and every season and within every person there is a new manifestation of God's presence that now comes into the cosmos so to speak right that other people are going to be able to receive um so what are you receiving and then giving to others to receive is going to be unique to you and uh i does that make sense how i'm trying to say it i mean do uh, uh, you a
1: hundred percent what you what what i was actually hearing is you were explaining that it's it's almost like we can we can want to um offload to other people or almost take as a shortcut um not other people's understanding of god but it's almost like if uh, rather than us having a conversation with god and come in yeah. and understand God through that conversation. We're just like, hey, maybe this other person can teach me about like through their conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think where it can get tricky is because I'm not actually sure the conversation that God has with everyone is the same. Not not because right. God's different, but because I think that there's just different conversations. Like right. if, if, if we all have different vocations, that the content of that dialogue is not going to be exactly the same right, right. just like yeah. if you're coaching someone or pastoring someone you're not going to give the exact same like you're going to there's different approaches right there's different ways of talking so
0: yeah and I, I think for me one of the most frustrating things and this is going to be the case for every single person is that we will become close with people in our life and sometimes we'll start thinking wow this person knows me so well but then there comes a point they're like ah but they don't get this part of me and it becomes like the press and like I thought this person fully knew me and was fully open to everything I was about and everything I said and everything I thought and like, oh, they don't get this. I mean, even being married, I'm sure you have those moments where it's like, this person knows everything about me, but they just can't seem to get to understand this part of me for whatever reason. And I always think when you get to that point, that's like like the, 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 the indication that that's where your specific vocation lies because that's where you're specifically hearing something within you that no one can understand other than yourself and ultimately the God who's placed that within you. I mean, and it comes, I would say, usually through your own hurts and wounds and experiences too, which only you have experienced too. So it's like both contingent upon other people and how they've maybe hurt you and wounded you. And it's also contingent upon this very unique call that's speaking to your inner voice and so your personal experiences of your wounds are your personal experiences and this unique call on your heart is also a personal thing and no matter how much we love other people around us and no matter how much they love us that's still just going to be our thing so to speak well it's really God's thing but you know what I'm trying to say um have you have you experienced that I mean because I mean that's I think that a lot of times on my own vocational journey which I'm always on I'm constantly, you know, with some I'm like, oh, wow, this person's a tremendous mentor to me. They're getting what I'm saying, what I want to do, where I want to go, and they're helping me get there. And then I kind of get to that next spot. And then that person somehow has played their role because the next place I need to go, that person can't help me because they're kind of like now almost like not understanding the next role, next place for me to go.
1: <laughs> I don't
0: know. Does that make sense or?
1: yeah there's there's um, I mean, our interior landscape is really vast. Like I think we have like a cartography inside of us that mm-hmm. is mostly uncharted. Uh, and some of it's like wild, right? Like some yeah. of it is like we don't really fully understand it. And so it's mm-hmm. funny when you were talking about my wife, like I probably I feel like I probably first of all, I think I only probably actually understand maybe twenty percent of myself. I, I don't even know how I'd gauge that. But okay. I would say that that's probably accurate, and I don't think that's unique to me. Like I, right. I would argue that what's actually interesting because I do some coaching as well, and I've noticed mm-hmm. that the people who know who who when I'll talk to, who think they know the most about themselves, mm-hmm. usually know the least about themselves. Like it's very clear <laughs> that they do not have <laughs> much awareness. Right? They haven't even reached the part of realizing like there's another like thousand pages to the map. They've just looked at like the one page, and they're wow. like, yeah, I got this, yeah. right? So I think I think that I don't know that much about myself. It, it when I think about my my wife, I, I probably know if she knows twenty percent, I probably know ten. Like mm. I, I I know ten, right? And so there are things, and then there's also something where, I mean, communication's so so tricky when we're trying to talk to another person because, yeah. like, I I know the two of us just from conversations we've had in the past. Like, there's a, yeah. there's a pretty high level of overlap. What I mean yeah. by that is like. We probably are familiar with many of the same sources. We've maybe had very similar life experiences, whatever that is. So it's a Venn diagram. There's a fairly large overlap, right? Yeah. Or at least it it, it feels that way. Um, for some people, it's less. But um, there's always there's always uh, there's always something lost in the communication. Like like most of the things mm-hmm. that I say. To and this is actually when you use the wife example, it's interesting because again in the coaching, a lot of the people I work with are married, and they're almost always the opposites. Like the spouses are almost always very different in, in various ways. So it's like, mm-hmm. like my wife really does not understand like the way my mind thinks. Mm-hmm. My my parent my like um filtering system. It's 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 like it's like she she's playing um I don't know. It's like she's playing the game of of life, and I'm playing connect four or something like that, or maybe that's not (laughs) like that, or like, like, they're not even, they're not even remotely close to the same. So when we're trying to talk about certain things, there's a lot lost. Um, and that is, that's one of the difficulties, right? Because it's, it's not only difficult to go and communicate something well, but there's also this feeling of knowing that like on, on a certain level, like we're never going to fully be understood by, by really anyone, except, except like God, like God is the only person who's, who has that, the full map, right?
0: Yeah, you know, as you're saying this too, it, it's it's making it more clear to me that like as much as I want to say, oh, people don't understand me, I can also equally say the only way I got to understand myself was because someone else saw something and revealed it to me. So it's mm-hmm. it like it, once again, it's like this this whole realization that the people that that are in your in your orbit, let's just put it that way they play a role in helping you to listen more clearly to the inner voice, or they could play a role in dissuading you from listening to that voice. So when you go back to our, the, the very beginning of our conversation, where you're talking about the child just taking delight, ultimately in God, right, in life, um, how much is that furthered by the people around that child and how much is that squashed and usually the minute you start putting the rules down something's going to get squashed right because the delight that one has at that age is so unique and so particular that the rules can't possibly apply because the rules are, are not specified for this particular child right so so the child has to conform to say a general way of like understanding God and a general way of understanding, let's just say, how God works in the world, right? But it doesn't really allow the uniqueness of how that of, of the inner voice that really calls out and allows the child to just delight in what is good, true, beautiful, how we want to look at it to continue to grow. But there will be people in our life who bring us back to that childhood delight. And once again, then we can hear that inner voice and then we move on to the next level and then we'll hear other voices that want to put it down, but then we'll hear another voice who takes us even deeper into it. So it, it seems to me that we clearly need other people in our in our world to help us listen to the inner voice to to so that we can resonate in delight of God and delight in his love and to know that we're cared for and our life has meaning. But then we have to also be mindful that not everyone is is going to be the one who, to help us to hear that. Other people want to squash it, and and not because they're ill willed, most of the times, it's just that because they just haven't listened closely enough to what we've been trying to express in order for them to to either just affirm it, or at least if anything, just not get in the way of it. I I, I don't know if I'm, if my is that resonating with your experience or am yeah, I just going uh, too much with this.
1: no I think I, there's um, there's there's individuals that I think model for us what listening to that inner voice can look like mm-hmm. and I think that's the primary way that people help us turn towards that voice I think there are people who there's like technical things or suggestions or even people who are helping us with like our environment, right? Like one way mm-hmm. to listen to the inner voice a bit more is to just get rid of some of the noise that surrounds it. Sure. Um, but I think that the people who can help us to imagine something different than what we've experienced is uh, are are the people who help us on that journey the most um another thing just that, this might feel a little tangential, but I think it is relevant that one of the difficulties is like as as we're kids, it's not only the it's not only the sense that maybe there's this natural delight and then we lose it through um, parents or guardians or people who wound us in this way or that way, but another thing that's really unique to our modern experience is for the vast majority of us from the age we were probably four, we've been hit with um, tons and tons of marketing that's telling us to essentially be different than who we are. Like this Mm -hmm. is, this is what it looks like to be Mm -hmm. either successful or Mm -hmm. attractive in X, Y, or Z way or secure or safe. And um, so so, I think there's a there's a that outer voice that potentially is leading us away from paying attention to the inner voice is much louder today mm-hmm. than it potentially ever has been because it's incessant um, and it's been happening since that same uh, early days of youth,
0: yeah, well, you know, and I think this might lead us to a good way to kind of just just wrap up our time together. I mean, you've made a concerted effort to try to do something to help people not get overwhelmed by all those voices um in launching the monk manual um to to really help people be intentional with their day and to just know you know when things could could to to take you astray from really what is what is the important thing at hand so how about you just tell us a little bit about where that came from what's the status of it now and and also too i mean like how can we uh, get one? Get a copy of it. Sure. Let, let us know what to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, there's there's so much there's so much I could say about about the monk manual. Um, it's it's one of those things that seemed to come together, uh, or was was a convergence of so many experiences I had in life mm-hmm. and so many interests. It's one of those things that um, really came out of that personal conversation. I feel like I've had probably my whole life, but especially since that reversion experience, right? It's, it's, it's very much tied to my own, uh, spiritual walk. And I think that part of that was realizing and seeing how, how much monasticism or the life of a monk aligns itself with the principles of, of, uh, like positive psychology Mm -hmm. and, and things like the PERMA model with, from Martin Seligman and, seeing how there's a formula laid out, which again goes back to that imagination piece. There's a formula laid out in their system of life that is very different from how we normally live, but seems to be more effective at bring about feelings of meaning and joy and peace and even, even a certain level of surrender. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I started the monk manual about five years ago now and uh, it, Started as a ninety-day planner. Um, it's grown since then. There's some courses involved. There's some other uh, products that we have, but the heart of it is based on this idea of whole-person productivity. So rather than productivity that's built off of an assembly line model, uh, where where value's all tied up in production, mm-hmm. it's more so about going further back from to the to even deeper into the root word of productivity, which shares the same um lineage is produce right because because originally the ideas around productivity actually came out of agriculture and i think the idea of thinking of ourselves more through that agricultural lens of how how do we cultivate that good that is us and bear fruit seems to be a much better model for living life and ultimately building a healthier culture so my ultimate goal is to really uh redirect the energy of modern productivity towards something more whole person centered. We serve, um, people of really every faith or n- none at all. Um, that's, that's by, des- that's by design. Um, because, um, I think that <laughs> there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good that comes from slowing down, being intentional, um, and asking questions like what is God doing in my life each week? Uh, so, so, yeah, we, 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 we've, we've served a lot of people so far. If you're interested, you can go to MonkManual.com to learn more. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, we'd love to, to have you.
0: Yeah, and we'll be sure to include that in the uh, show notes. Um, just give us a little uh, taste of what the Monk Manual looks like. Let's just talk about the, the actual product of, of the, the journal itself. I mean, what are the components of it, just so we get a taste
1: yeah, so the 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 ninety day planner is broken down into three main sections. So it's monthly, weekly, and daily. Mm-hmm. Um, and rather than if you think of a normal planner, you think of something that's kind of a to do list format. This is not really like that. Uh, there is that component, uh, but it's a lot more robust. So there's a full spread for the month, for the week, for the day. Um, and the idea is that if you can if um, if you can anchor your time in the things that are most important, that's really the pathway to not only the greatest impact, but also a sense of peace because we we can't get through, we can't do everything, we're finite beings. So it's about actually deciding what's most important and doing that really well. So um, that's one component of it, it's kind of like this trickle down model where it's, you're gonna be saying priorities on a monthly basis and then your weekly priorities get anchored back up to that, your daily priorities get back up to the, to the weekly. Um, but then there's also this bundling of habits, right? Like daily gratitude. Um, there's some reflection questions every week. Uh, there's a number of different things that are all very intentional to, to be added to kind of help steward that cultivation process. Uh, and and, and, and that's, that's really wrapped in this philosophy we have called the PAR method, um, which stands for prepare, act, and reflect. And the idea there is that every single day, um, we have the ability to be intentional with how we want to approach our time. because It's really valuable. And there's, there's a, there's a pregnancy to uh, all, all every day we have, every week we have, every month we have. So thinking in advance, what, what, what does it look like to for my day to be what I want it to be? Mm -hmm. Not saying that it doesn't leave room for flexibility, but, doing that, then actually acting through it. So the thing is, a lot of times we're going about our day, we're like, oh, we got this thing to do and that thing to do and all these things, and we're everywhere except in the present moment. So the idea is if you can really get intentional about like what you want out of the day or what are the things you're saying yes to, things you're saying no to, then you can just trust the process and just live into whatever those things are that you decide to do. And then the reflection Mm -hmm. process on the back end closes that loop because there's so much that's going on from a data standpoint in us every single day that we're not paying attention to. So on the daily pages, for example, there's a prompt that's, when did I feel unrest? There's another one. When was I at my best? And um, most of the time, that's not going to be like a revelation when you answer that, but that repetitive cycle of looking at those things, you start to kind of pattern things in your own mind. And you become more aware. I'm a really big fan on awareness. I'm a really <laughs> big fan that like awareness is really, really key to, uh, to growing as an individual, and ultimately actually like loving others well, uh, yeah. and so there's a that's a big part of the process.
0: And and awareness is just another way of saying contemplation. You know, I mean, at least least, you know, I, I find that you know sometimes contempt, contemplation being contemplative might be a little bit hard to understand because it sounds maybe a little abstract. But to be aware or to be attentive to things, mm-hmm. I, I think that that that's very tangible. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and one last thing, I mean, the thing I like about the Monk Manual is that it's paper and pen, right? So it's not just an app, unless, I don't know, do you have an app now or? No, not not yet. Okay, so like, it's taking you into a different realm, just by the fact that you're using a book other than your phone to do something intentional like this. And, And the way that you produced it, I mean it's it's a a book of high quality i mean I, I can imagine as a designer that that you really thought this through that you wanted people to have a full experience of using this book i don't know do you do you want, do you want to speak of that was it, was it what was the intention behind that cuz i mean I, I i it's hard for me not to think that there's not a very strong intention behind it
1: yeah there <laughs> virtually everything in the monk was, like very in, intentional yeah. um so, so that is, that is a, a big part of it. Part of, um, for the design, I wanted something to feel high quality because ultimately I wanted people to experience their own the things. is like when you feel like you're getting a gift or you're using something high quality, right. it almost like recognizes even like something that's highly designed. It like makes you feel kind of like dignified. It makes you almost experience mm-hmm. your own Dignity, right? Mm-hmm. We used to actually we don't do this anymore because it's just cost prohibitive. It was costing like a dollar fifty or two dollars, like every time we did it. Mm-hmm. But we'd actually hand wrap every single book. I remember that. Um, almost yeah. so it was like a like a like a, a present, gift, right? Like, yeah, 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 like a present. And we wanted yeah. it to feel like that because right. because it's like you're giving yourself a gift. You're gonna go and you're gonna. Um, the thing is, is like there's really nothing more important. I, I believe this in your time. Like your time is the baseline upon which everything's built. And if you really lean into it, it can be a kind of gateway to, mm-hmm. I'm not saying like becoming more efficient. Like that's very, um, I don't want to say it's ancillary, but that's not the point. Like the point of the Monk Manual is not to be like the most efficient machine. Like in fact, like it's that's how it's used. Like that's not its intention. Mm-hmm. Its intention is to help bring about like a greater good for an individual and to experience more meaning and all of these things that we've been discussing. And so to have something that feels actually um, high quality like that, it, it honors that reality. Yeah, uh, and um and then the paper piece as well. I think that some things because we've had a lot of people ask for an app for an app. Um maybe someday I'll have that, but I didn't want to do an app because I feel like some things actually benefit from being high friction, right? Like, like I don't yeah. want someone to have feel like they're racing through, like when did I feel unrest? It's like I want something that forces you to slow down. You can only <laughs> exactly. write so fast with like a pen. Right. And and I think what you were alluding to is like when you have a separate space there's a, there's a quality to anyone who journals there's a quality like it's like you're entering into a different space it can almost feel like it's almost like sacred space of sorts because your mind shifts to going into a different thing, and that's why i wanted that's why I wanted it to feel like as well so um so yeah i i i feel um I feel really happy with how how it turned out
0: yeah well Steve, great product. and I'm, but more importantly, it's just so great to hear a little bit more of your story and i hopefully it, it just offers a little type of inspiration for people listening that, you know, that when we say God is love, uh, we mean it, <laughs> not, not because we say it, but because it's, it's ultimately how God reveals uh, his presence to us. So, thanks for being a witness to that love, and thanks for allowing that love to uh, spill over into you being so devoted to the Monk Manual and getting it into the hands of so many people. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Attentive Heart Podcast. We hope that you were able to find it helpful in your spiritual journey and practice. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Sunday to Sunday Productions and The Witness Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe. and.